Hi and welcome. I'm Jude. And Father Jay, and welcome to our Sundays for Seekers. So glad that you've joined us for another live episode of Sundays for Seekers. So this is our second live episode. Yeah, and we're doing this because we got a lot of requests to go live again. Apparently, people enjoyed the last episode. Do you know, Father, of another reason why they wanted us to go live today? Um, the interaction, maybe? Well, the real reason I would like to think is because they wanted to celebrate your birthday with you. Belated high birthday again, Father Johnny. Thank you. Thank you, Jude. But of course, as you said, um, it's also because of the interaction that we get to read comments and feedback uh, through the Facebook comment section. So we hope to hear from you, our viewers and listeners, through the comment section. And I'm looking at it. I'm looking through it right now. There are a couple of people already greeting a good morning to everyone. So good morning. Good morning. Happy birthday to Father Johnny from Miami. So please Thank keep you. them coming throughout the episode. And again, welcome to Sundays for Seekers. This podcast is brought to you by Smart. Live smarter for a better world. And Unilab. Alagang tunay, alagang Pilipino. Unilab yan. In our last episode, our burning question was, how can we find God in all things? That was in celebration of the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. This week, for our episode today, we will focus on the Bible. So our burning question for this episode is, how can we find God in the Bible? That's right, Jude. If you remember, uh, in the last episode, we were saying that we can actually find God not only in holy things or holy places, not only in the Bible, but everywhere. No? And that's the beautiful insight of St. Ignatius. But for today, we'll focus our attention on the Bible because it's a special place where we can find God. So Father Jay, how, do you, how can we find God in the Bible? But maybe before that, can you share a little bit of um, what the Bible is for us Catholics? You know, Jude, when I was growing up, I had the impression that the Bible sort of dropped from heaven already as a one big thick book. No, <laughs> But as I was going through my religion classes in grade school, in high school, and of course, when I was studying theology, I learned that there was actually a historical process, a very gradual process where the different books in the Bible were put together. No? So it didn't just drop down from heaven as a complete book. Actually, the Bible is made up of several writings from different people in the past who prayed about God, who prayed about God and thought about God. And all these writings were put together by the church. And so there was a real process that went through it. So, Father, you, you, you mentioned that uh, the books were written by different people um, from different places also, I would guess. Yeah, if you if you remember, the Old Testament is actually the Hebrew Bible. No? So our, our brothers and sisters from Judaism, they they a lot of their books we actually adopted as our Old Testament. So that's that's certainly a whole set of writings that the Catholic Church uh, decided to include in the Bible. And of course, we have the New Testament, which is more about our Lord and what happened to the church after he ascended to heaven. So it's really a collection, no? And uh, these are the ones that the church chose 
as being particularly effective in telling us who God is and how he has related with us in history. So there, of course, there are other books. I don't know if you've heard about the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Judas. There were many writings about our Lord, no? but um, the community, the Christian community, had to make a decision which ones are the best that will really tell us more about our Lord Jesus, for example. So that's why we only have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, that's good to know more about because as you mentioned, when you were young, you thought about it that way. I also thought about it that way. Um, but another question, Father, regarding the Bible is that in putting all of these together, were all these accounts real? Meaning did, they, did all of them really happen in real life? That's a great question because a lot of people sort of get confused about that. No? Uh, as I said, the writings came from different places. They were written by different authors, different communities. So as you would expect, if you have different authors, different places, and different times, the styles would be very different from one another. No? So some of the books in the Bible are historical. Others are poetry, you know, and others are letters. So they all have different styles. And the way we understand them, the way we interpret the different writings should also differ. No? So uh, I think one important thing we have to distinguish is some people think that uh, if for something to be true, it has to be historical, meaning it has to be, that's exactly how it happened. No? But when we talk about truth in the Bible, we're talking about something greater than just the historical account. Eh, no? Maybe one example is uh, Genesis, right? The creation story. No, uh -huh. uh, I don't know if you remember the creation story. What do you remember from the creation story, Joe? Let's have a little quiz here. Of course, the seven days where God created um, the world. Exactly. No, and but more precisely, six days that God created six, the universe, yes. and then the seventh day He rested. He rested on the seventh day. That's the Sabbath, right? So, so that's one account of the creation. But there's another account actually also in the same book. So people are saying, which of the two accounts is how creation happened? No? So here's where we learn something about the Bible, especially about the book of Genesis. It's not meant to be a documentary. It's not meant to be a newspaper that's supposed to, you know, like report, give us a blow-by-blow -blow account of how things happened. The authors of the book of Genesis were not so much concerned about the chrono chronology of events, but more about the meaning, no? they, their, their main message is that it's God who created everything. So exactly how it happened is not the, their main point. It's not their main purpose. So just because that's not how it happened exactly, and today, of course, people believe in evolution, that, that you know, for example, the human race emerged after millions of years, right? Not on the sixth day. So it doesn't mean that the Bible is wrong. The point there is that the Bible has a different intention. Its intention is to show us that God is the creator of all things, including people. Its point is not to tell us this is how it happened. So that's for the Genesis, well, the book of Genesis, the creation story. But does that um, viewpoint or perspective follow through for the rest of the Bible, Father? Say, for example, in the Gospels. Should we also not take everything literally? Well, in the, in the Gospels, um, 
in the Gospels, if you notice, they, they also disagree among themselves, right? For example, for John, the temptation in the desert happened here. And for the others, uh, that same episode happened elsewhere. No? So if you're going to be very strict about the chronological criterion, for example, you're going to get very frustrated because it sounds very confusing. But it doesn't mean that it didn't happen historically. The point line is maybe the details are not the main point of the gospel writers. Their point is the meaning. No? It's more the meaning of the events. That's their point. No? It's like when, for example, you're writing about, you're trying to recall your love story with someone, your significant other. Sometimes the, the way things happen aren't, isn't exactly the most important thing. It's really more the meaning, right? And, you know, when we remember things, we're kind of selective about the things we remember. We only remember the things that are most significant to us, no? And at the same time, uh, the way we sort of recall these events depends on the way it affected us, no? That's the same way with the gospel writers. The way they recounted the events in the life of our Lord depended on, its, on, on their effects on them. So they used their own personal account of the life of our Lord, no? which doesn't mean it wasn't historical. Of course, Jesus was a real person, no? and, he, and the events, no? many of them really happened. But what's not really the most important point there is uh, exactly how it happened or when it happened. So the Bible, including the gospel, is more about meaning rather than facts. I think that's a very important point. And I think that's the very first big idea that we'd like to convey to our listeners and viewers. So now, don't get freaked out if you notice that there are disparities no, in the accounts in the Bible. Because they're, they're about things that happened. But these events may not have happened exactly the way as they're described in the Bible. What's more important is the meaning. So that's, that should be our question. Parang, what are the authors of the Bible or what is God trying to tell me in these accounts? Thank you for that, Father. So more meaning than taking things literally. Uh, yeah, you know, like another example is the birth of our Lord. A lot of people are very interested how did the first Christmas happen, right? And St. Luke has a very elaborate account, beautiful account, no? But Matthew also has a, uh, does not mention many of the events in Luke. So people yeah. are wondering exactly what happened, no? Uh, so our people begin to wonder, did it exactly happen that way? We don't know if they happened exactly the same way. So the question is not so much, did the birth of our Lord happen in this way? That's not the right question. The right question is, what does it mean? No? What does it mean? I think one important message, for example, is, you know, like the fact that he was born outside the town. No, he, They couldn't find a room in the inn, right? So what is the meaning of that? They actually not have, you know, have a place. We don't, we don't really know, probably. Probably they really had difficulty. But the more important message there is, our Lord was so ordinary that when he was born, the world didn't really stop. No, Only very few people knew of, his, of the event and, and went to visit him. Most of the world just went on their merry way. And that's a very important message no? that God you know, can be found in the most ordinary things, which is actually our point the last episode, right? That God can be found in all things. So I think it's important for us to pay attention to our questions when we're reading the Bible. It's not so much... Did it happen exactly the same way? But what is the meaning of this event? What is the meaning of this account in the Bible? Actually, Father, now that you've mentioned Christmas or the birth of Jesus, one of the things that people associate very much with the Bible and ask about the Bible is, where in the Bible does it say that December 25 is Christmas Day? 
like how did we know that these dates actually fall into these these events rather actually fall into these dates that we celebrate nowadays very good question because the answer is it's not found in the bible no uh, and that's an important point about the bible also the bible is a very privileged place for us to learn about god and to hear his message but the bible does not give us everything for example we don't know how jesus looks like we don't know if he had brown eyes or black eyes or blue eyes no these descriptions are not there and in the gospel of john the evangelist also said there are so many more things that our lord did which cannot be you know included in the in the gospel or in the book no so so we can't expect the bible to tell us everything no um in fact one of the i think important messages that we'd like to convey to our viewers and readers is that the words in the bible are very very important no but the silences in the bible are just as important what do i mean by that what i mean is that uh, what is said in the bible of course we should take seriously but we should also read between the lines and try to imagine what is not being said and to ask ourselves what does that mean no because that's where we can really appreciate i think the message of god no um the bible is really like a window to another world so for example if we're reading the infancy narratives in saint luke no uh, we are learning about what it was like during the time of our lord no but it's also a mirror to our own life no it also tells us about our lives but for us to be able to do that we have to pay attention to what is not said no uh, for example um i think a very uh, i think a very familiar story is the annunciation no when the angel gabriel appeared to mary and to tell her the good news that she has been chosen to be the mother of the messiah and of course our, our, our blessed mother accepted right so if you read this if you read the the story it's very simple it's very straightforward no so um the only thing maybe worth mentioning there is after the angel told mary what did mary say mary said how can this happen i'm i'm a virgin no and and the angel said you know your cousin elizabeth is pregnant the holy spirit will overshadow you and you will be the mother of the messiah period very simple right but a lot of things are not being said there in that in that account no and we need to use our imagination to read between the lines what do i mean by that no uh for example um if you know that mary already is engaged to joseph the the gospel does not say while, while telling us the story of the annunciation it does not say that what's joseph going to think no how is he going to react it doesn't say that it's up to us readers to read between the lines and to imagine i don't think joseph is going to be very happy here right and also to imagine that i'm sure mary thought about that and yet she said yes so paying attention to what's not said in the bible is just as important so we really need to read between the lines does that make sense jude yeah it makes sense father but to be honest it in a way complicates things because i'm trying to i'm trying to imagine i'm trying to think about the times when i would try to read the bible and it's very hard to read it's not like a um it's not like a novel or a story that's easy to understand and um you really get the whole as you mentioned we don't know how there are a lot of silent parts in the bible which would not necessarily be present in books that we usually read because the author would want us to get the whole picture or very specific details so 
I guess one question I have just to follow up on what you're saying, Father. Do you have a tip for us when we try to start reading the Bible? How can we better read between the lines? In a way that um, I'm, I'm worried that our imagination might take us to a different understanding of things. Yeah. You know, what you say about the styles of contemporary writers is really so true. No? There's, a, there's a tendency to spell out things for the reader. For example, if you're reading a novel, if, if the Annunciation were a novel, no, what the author would do is say, you know, say, write things like, and Mary looked up and thought <laughs> about Joseph and wondered what Joseph would say. She felt her heart flutter because she was afraid. You know, it would really spell out everything, no? And in fact, yeah. it might even say, and she looked into the distant space, maybe, and one, a single tear began to trickle down. But the Bible, that wasn't the style before. It was very simple. They will just tell you the things, you know? And, and so one tip is to enter into the story, to put ourselves in the places of the character. So it's not enough to just read the words, no? We have to like put ourselves in the place of Mary, for example. If I were Mary, how would I feel? Or if I were Joseph, how would I feel? Or even if I were the angel, how would I feel? For example, some, some poets have written about this uh, event, no? And they've entered the story. They've uh, used their imagination to read between the lines. And one poet, Rilke, for example, said, the angel, so Mary was afraid, but the angel was also afraid. It's not in the Bible. Is it possible the, the angel felt fear? I think so, because the point of Rilke is it's such an important moment. And if Mary said no, what would happen, right? So it's important for us, for us to be able to appreciate the stories in the Bible. It's not enough to pay attention to just the words. No, we cannot read it like we're reading a novel today where everything is given to us, no? Every single detail, how we're going to feel, everything is, all those cues are given to us. In the Bible, we have to do some work. No? We have to use our imagination and enter the story, put ourselves in the places of um, the characters. The other thing we need to do is to use our life no, to help us understand the Bible. What do I mean by that? Earlier, I said the Bible is a window that allows you to see the world of our Lord, for example, or the world of Mary. But it's also a mirror. It also reflects on our world, right? So, for example, the story of the Annunciation. No? So an angel tells Mary that she's going to be uh, the mother of the Messiah and there's no father, right? And she's engaged. Now, if you, if you have friends like myself who decided to be a single mother, no? uh, let's say they got pregnant and they decided it's not good for them to get married, but they made the courageous decision to keep the baby, you know the challenges that they would go through. No? And because of your experience with these people, you'll be able to appreciate the heroism of Mary more. No? Uh, if you just read the, the, the words of the account, you're just saying, oh, okay, so, so she accepted. But, but if you know how difficult it is to be a single mother, especially before, you're going to say, wow, that must have been really hard for Mary to say, yeah, she made some sacrifices there. She risked her lives. She, she risked her life because, as we know, adulteresses were, were stoned to death during the time of our Lord. So you begin to appreciate the story more and you appreciate the message more. For example, one takeaway would be wow, it really takes a lot to say yes to God. No? Yeah. 
yeah. uh, it's not it's not a, a nice you know like it's not a nice road trip right there are gonna be crosses and difficulties and suffering and mary accepted that so what about me uh what's the lord asking me to do what's going to be the the trade-off so you know you know what i mean so instead of just reading the words and moving on to the next chapter you're able to really enter into the story and really appreciate uh the message though you really understand the message from the lord that's a good point father really entering into the story i i i like that point specifically because um a lot of people also ask why we repeat readings, especially at Mass, right? We repeat readings year in and year out. You hear it, this, uh, especially for Christmas, right? It's the same story all the time. It's the same gospel being read. But as you said, if you enter into the story, and it would also depend sometimes on what you're experiencing, right? You might be, you might really see yourself in this part of the gospel or in this specific character. But in another year, when you read it again, or when you hear it again, it brings you to a new understanding or a deeper understanding of that specific story in the Bible and what meaning it offers us as yeah, well. And, and, and the meaning you get from a particular passage depends on your context a lot, as you said. No? So for example, this year, this might be my context. So I understand the, this, this event of the Annunciation in a particular way. But next year, because of a different, let's say next, let's say next year, I actually, you know, like had a friend who, who got pregnant, decided to keep the baby and had difficulty, was rejected by her family. The next time I read the Annunciation, the story will be so much more powerful and richer because my context is different already. I'd like to, to share with you uh, uh, an experience. No? As you know, uh, before the pandemic, what would happen is that we would have Simbang Gabi. No? So every day, every early morning or every night, we, uh, you know, many of us priests, we would have to preach on the on the Christmas story, right? And we do that every year, you know? and, at, and at a certain point, you really will run out of things if you don't pay attention to your context. So aside from paying attention to the silences in the text and reading between the lines, you also have to pay attention to your context. Eh? Because whatever you're experiencing, as you say, is going to enrich the way you understand the passage. I'll give another example, no? like the healing of the lepers. No? That's, you know, we, 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 we're all familiar with all those miracle stories of our Lord, right? He always healed lepers. And we know that lepers at that time, they had infectious diseases, you know, you know, no? but now with the pandemic, the way I read those stories, I have a special appreciation for the difficulty that the lepers must be feeling. Because I have friends who felt embarrassed and ashamed that they tested positive because they felt people were going to be, you know, were going to treat them in a different way. So because of the pandemic, I have a special appreciation, a renewed appreciation of the dangers of infection and at the same time of the stigma that lepers might be feeling before. So that's another example of, you know, like our context affecting the way we read the text of the Bible. Another example is, um, you know, what happened in Afghanistan, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that that viral video where a lot of people, you know, clung on to the, to the, the U.S. military yeah. plane and they, because in their desperation to get out and, and, and you know, to, to escape and, you know, a number of them fell off the plane to their death, no? Now, if, if, if I were reading the flight to Egypt, remember, Joseph, uh, Jesus, and Mary were in danger because Herod wanted to kill the baby, right? And an angel told Joseph, get out of here, you know? You know, I think that viral video will 
make me appreciate the fear of Joseph even more. No, I mean, they would cling onto a plane if a plane was there, right? But so in short, the danger, that sense of danger is sort of magnified because of that viral video in Afghanistan. So that's another example of how our context can really enrich the way we, we understand the Bible. So I'd like to encourage our viewers and, and, re, uh, and, and listeners to do two things. No? When you read the Bible the next time, pay attention to what the Bible doesn't say by imagining what the characters are going through. But number two, pay attention also to yourself. No? What's your context? Have you ever had a similar experience before? No? Have you met people who are in a, in a similar situation? And try to allow those two things to sort of, you know, like interact with each other because the meaning of that passage is going to be so much more meaningful and powerful if you, if you do that. So that would be my tip, I think, in, in trying to, you know, like, interpret the Bible. Let's allow the silences of the Bible and also our own experiences to interact with each other so that we can have a, a, you know, a really meaningful interpretation of whatever it is we're reading. Thank you, Father. Before we move on, let's just read some comments from our viewers and listeners. Uh, we have one from Stephanie. Father Jay, that's how all these historical novels about biblical accounts come up. Beautifully written too, to explain or rather to try and fill in the gaps of those silences in the Bible. That's a great, that's a great comment because that's exactly what you're supposed to do when you're, when you're reading the Bible. It's almost like you're writing a book or you're, or you're yeah. making a movie, you're creating a movie, you know? Um, and, and so you have to imagine the details that are not supplied in the Bible. And what happens when you do that? The story becomes more real, right? Because you begin to appreciate the characters more. So that's a great comment. Thank you. Another one from Jesusa. Well, um, this is more, more not so well, not so serious. I always have a difficult time imagining angels. Well, there might be some truth to what you say, you know. Uh, we of course we don't know how angels look like. Usually they're portrayed as cute little winged creatures, right? But Angels are very powerful, no? so we don't know what they look like. We don't know how the angel Gabriel looked like when he appeared to Mary. You know? yeah. And if you watch films, there are different interpretations. Like in one film, um, the angel looked like a very ordinary person. No? In another film uh, about the Annunciation, it was just light. No? And of course, in other films, it's really an angel. No? So we don't really know. We don't really know. So again, you have to imagine what they look like. And and maybe you learn something about yourself and about what God's trying to tell you when you use your imagination. And you know, imagination, most people say, imagination is something we don't trust, right? It's, it's not real. But that's one of the things I learned eh, about, about praying with the Bible. No? That our imagination is actually very important. No? Of course, you have to think about what came out, right? Because if, if what came out in your imagination is absolutely absurd obviously you shouldn't follow it no but the imagination sort of opens the door for you to you know understand the bible more it helps a lot for from aldo father if the bible were a telenovela the annunciation would have taken three months to finish replete with zoom close-up shots of mary and the angel gabriel exactly exactly and if you pray that way you're gonna get so much more from that short very familiar passage of the many of us when we heard that decision oh, i heard this before i know the story i know the ending and so we just skip through it 
But can you imagine if you actually prayed like it was a telenovela and you really imagined every second, even if it took you, I don't know, several times, no? you're going to really be able to chew on the meaning of that story. It's going to really affect you. No? And that's the way we should pray with the Bible. No? We should slow down. We shouldn't keep, we, we shouldn't just, it's not, some, it's not like a news article na, what's the ending, what happened next? It's not like that. No? It's, it's really, because the Bible isn't just a source of information. Eh? The other big idea we want to express to our viewers and listeners is that the Bible actually, more importantly, is a place of encounter with God. Now, that's where we encounter Him. And how can we encounter Him if we're just rushing, if we're just trying to understand? No? And it's using our imagination that we can experience the stories of the Bible. No? If you try to imagine what Mary must have felt, what Joseph must have felt, what they might have looked like, no? And uh, if you also imagine, use your own experiences to imagine all those things, like you, 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 you have friends who are single mothers, you have fathers who are worried about their families during this COVID times. There are many, many stories like that, right? Uh, fathers who are like freaking out already because they don't know what to do, how they can protect their family. So if you're praying over the flight to Egypt, you can use that experience or use that emotion if you've felt that, like if you've been worried about your family, to pray more deeply, you know, to understand more deeply what the flight to Egypt is all about. So you really have to allow your, your own experiences you know, and, and the silences in the Bible to sort of interact with each other. So although that's a really good suggestion, you know, imagine praying as like creating your own telenovela with all those, you know, all those close-ups and uh, even the music that comes in at the right time. You know? Because that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're used to. Yeah. If only we had, if only we'd really take our time to read through the Bible that way, Father. Um, another related question. How, did, from May Lapez Amador, how do you read the Bible and not end up becoming a fundamentalist? It's nakakatakot. Yeah, let, maybe we should define first what a fundamentalist is. No? A fundamentalist is precisely someone who agrees with everyone else about the Bible, all believers, that the Bible is a very special uh, way for God to communicate with us. No? So the Bible is really a privileged place of finding God. No? The difference is that the fundamentalist, given what we've been talking about, would be someone who would be just focusing on what is written, only on the words of the Bible. And taking the words literally. So, for example, if in the book of Genesis it says, uh, you know, that God created in six days, some fundamentalists would take it that far and say the, evo uh, the theory of evolution is false because God created the whole universe only in six days. So that would be the danger of being fundamentalist. You pay attention only to the words and you take the words literally. Now, just recall what we were talking about earlier. We're saying... We also have to pay attention to what is unsaid in the Bible, the silences of the Bible, and we have to use our imagination. So the approach we're proposing to our viewers and listeners, which I personally have found very, very helpful, is a freer approach. No? It's a more trusting approach. Like you, you trust the Holy Spirit will guide you. No? So when you try to imagine the events in the Bible, you're using your imagination. You're not allowing the words to just to sort of constrain you. No? You're not allowing the words to straightjacket you. Now, these are the only things I can think about or pray about because these are the, this is exactly what the words say and only these things. No? 
you can actually imagine things like maybe Mary was afraid because of Joseph and so on and so forth. So you can bring all those things in. So there's a greater freedom, there's a greater creativity in reading the Bible and praying over the Bible in the approach we're talking about. So we're really proposing a very non-fundamentalist approach no? because that's the only way to dive deep into the Bible. The Bible is so rich eh, in meaning and, and, it, and it's always fresh. What does that mean? It means that God is always trying to talk to us uh, every time we open the Bible. So if you're a fundamentalist, the meaning is already there. Obviously meaning. So if you've read the book of Genesis once, the meaning is going to stay the same anytime you read it. No? But the Catholic approach is no. God's word is always rich and mysterious and is always relevant. So we should allow our context, our present personal experiences to open up the meanings of the Bible because God is talking to us every single moment that we're reading the Bible in a new way. You know? If you're a fundamentalist, you just mem memorize the meaning. The first time you read it, that's it. You know? yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's a very impoverished way of reading the Bible, I think. There's this comment from Jade Bata, Father. I agree. My friends and I were talking the other day. I mentioned how I never get tired of, re of the readings in the Bible because my context or experience is different every time I hear or read it. What I find unrelatable this year would be the theme of my life the next. Sometimes I'm the prodigal son. Sometimes I'm the brother. That is so... Thank you, thank you for sharing that because that's also been my experience. There are times when... I'm reading something and it doesn't mean anything to me, for example, but as something happens to me, the next time I read it, something else leaps out of the page. No? And your example of playing the, you know, the, prodigal, uh, the, the prodigal son, the younger brother or the elder brother or the prodigal father, that, that also shows that we can shift no? because, again, it depends on what God is trying to tell us given whatever it is we're going through. So I don't know about you, no, but me, I prefer that kind of approach to the Bible because, again, we go back to the image of God that's being suggested. No, uh, if, if you're a fundamentalist, if your approach to reading the Bible is fundamentalist, um, the image of God that comes out is he spoke once and that's it. Because the words are there. Eh? Yeah. But if your approach is the freer, more creative interpretation of the Bible, no, uh, what happens is that um, you're saying... God will speak to me through these words. And each time he speaks to me, he's telling me something new and something relevant. I kind of prefer the second image of God. No? I'd like to think that, you know, as we said, God is a gardener. He's always involved in our lives. He's always guiding us. No? He's always nourishing us no? with his word. No? So it's not something that he's going to give us once and it's all going to be like that. Along, no? uh, it's very rich. It's very profound. So I, I really prefer this particular approach of reading the Bible. Father, there are a couple of comments and questions about contemplation. So which is what you've been trying to share uh, about imagining and putting ourselves into a story, really. So for one from Miss Debbie Tan, I always struggled with contemplatio. But after doing the retreat in daily life, it gave me so much insight into Jesus' life. Uh, that's so true, Debbie. You know? And that's also my experience even after all these years of trying to contemplate. Let's define first what contemplation is. No? In general, there are two ways, or maybe, maybe there are more, but there are two general ways of praying with the Bible. 
The first is by meditating on the words of the Bible. For example, uh, to pray the words of the Bible. No? The words of the Bible are very important. No? They've been, they've been um, prayed over by centuries of believers. No? So for example, if I take a psalm like the Lord is my shepherd, and I say the words to myself, and I say and I pray the words slowly, like I'm, I'm chewing on the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And I think about what does a shepherd mean? You know, there's nothing I shall want. You know, and so so if you're focusing on the words and praying the words, that can be a very powerful experience. No, but another way that's more along the lines of what we've been describing is contemplation. And in contemplation, you're trying to imagine the events that you are praying over. So, for example, you're praying over the healing of the leper or you're praying over the nativity, for example, and you can take on one of the roles. So, for example, if you're, if it's a healing of the leper, you can take on a bystander. Maybe you were there watching our Lord heal the leper or you can be the leper depending on what happens. No, uh, But by contemplating, you're actually making your telenovela. You're creating your telenovela, but you're a participant. You're not just watching, no? You can be a major participant, like the leper himself, or you can be a bystander. No? But the point is you allow the event to affect you. When we're using our imagination, our feelings are more affected. No? And, and that's, that's actually praying not only with your mind or your lips, but praying with your, with your heart as well. And, and it's a deeper prayer as a result of that. But as you can imagine, it's so easy to be distracted, especially if you're not used to it. So I think the baby step that we can recommend our viewers and listeners is to, to practice. No? So maybe you can begin um, by taking you know, a story in the Bible and just trying to imagine what, would, what, did, what could that have been like? No? And maybe you can also take on one of the roles no? and, and try to see where the, ima the, 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 ex the contemplation which is, which is an exercise in imagination as guided by the Holy Spirit, no? where it will take you. And you might be surprised. So sometimes nothing will happen. It's like you'll be bored to tears because you know, it's like just going through the motions. But there are graced moments when you actually get so involved and the story affects you. And that's really the deepest kind of prayer. Father, there's a question here just to wrap up the contemplation part. So is contemplation the better way of finding God in the Bible? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the better way. It's another way of finding God in the Bible. It, it depends. It, first of all, it depends on your personality. Some people prefer to meditate more than contemplate. No? Uh, some people, um, depending on their situation, are able to contemplate more than meditate. So again, we, the important thing here is to be flexible. You have to learn both. No? And there are times when you'd like to meditate, but there are also times when you'd like to contemplate. It'll be sad if you can only do one, right? So again, the important thing here is to build your repertoire so that you have you can be flexible and there are different ways for you to pray uh, over the Bible. I just want to maybe mention that the rosary actually can be prayed in these two ways. No? One way is to just repeat the prayers, no? the Hail Marys, the Our Father, Glory Be, and, and be comforted by that because those prayers are very special. Generations of Catholics have prayed those prayers uh, for centuries. So in a way, when we say those prayers, we are joining the communion of saints. No, We're not praying alone. We're praying with the whole church in all its history. So there is a comfort there, just praying the words. No? But as some of us may know, 
the rosary is an invitation to contemplate the mysteries. So there are the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and so on and so forth. What are we supposed to do? While we're saying the Hail Marys in every decade, we're supposed to be imagining the story. We're supposed to be contemplating. You know? So both are good. Sometimes, you know, like sometimes you're not in the right mood to contemplate because you're, let's say you're caught in traffic and you, and, you know, so many things are going on around you. So you just say the prayer, you know, you just say the words. But there are also times when you can actually contemplate. So it's important to be flexible. The same with the Bible. That's a good point, Father. It's not the, not necessarily the better way. It's one of the ways. And we really have to find which one works best. Again, given our context and our current situation. Maybe the only caveat I want to add to that is in my own experience, I would say contemplation has been the more powerful prayer because your feelings are more affected when you use your imagination and you become part of the story. You, know? you feel with the characters, eh? And sometimes you really, you really, your takeaway about your own life is really very valuable. Also, um, I, you know, there, there, there have been many experiences where a praying over a story in the gospel using contemplation has really affected me and affected my life. You know? So, so I would encourage you to really explore that also. Another question, Father, from Joanne Soler. How do I discern? How do I discern if my own interpretation of or what I've read between the lines is truth? Well, that's a great question because it's not enough to just do the contemplation because, some, as we know, sometimes it can go all over the place, right? Because our imagination can run wild. I think the most basic thing is the church teachings, no? Like, uh, what what does the church teach? No, is it consistent with that? Uh, secondly, you can always, again, it's like when you're discerning, you can check with somebody else. No? You can check with a spiritual director or, or maybe a friend who's also serious about his or her faith. You can discuss it. That's why faith sharing or sharing about the Bible is very important because you can also check with one another. No? So, for example, if I come up with an absurd contemplation, sometimes it happens. No? Uh, and then my takeaway is about doing something immoral obviously there's something wrong right so so th there are criteria and it's not enough to just pray and contemplate we need to evaluate and review our prayer and say what could god be trying to tell me is this something consistent with morality with the church you know and also with logic i think that's also important yeah so that's that's an important step actually and that's a good point father really sharing what your imagination or what your contemplation um, leads you to would also allow you to not only in a way validate, but also um, learn from other people. Because sometimes in their own contemplation, you also get to see that, oh, there's a different side to things. And I didn't think about it that way. Thank you for sharing it. Thank, thank you for sharing that insight as well. And, and even prior to that, what, what my experience has been is that sometimes I do the prayer, right? So it's all experience. If I don't think about it and write about it or talk about it, it becomes very vague. It's almost like what, what happened just there? I felt good, but I don't know, right? But if you write about it or if you talk to someone about it, it becomes clearer. The experience becomes clearer and you begin to understand the experience more. No? So I would really encourage you to think about and review your prayer if you do contemplation because uh, the experience is very powerful, but you also have to interpret your experience. Eh? What does your experience mean? What is God trying to tell you, right? And the only way to do that is to think about it, write about it, or talk about it, or share about it. Thank you, Father. From Joanna Pacheco, I've been watching the series The Chosen. 
many imagined events there. Nahakaaliw to see the very human side of Jesus. You know, I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of good reviews about that TV series. And so there are all sorts of interpretations, right? So that's an example of, uh, in a way, the director contempt contemplating the life of our Lord. Uh, many of the things in The Chosen, I would imagine, are not explicitly stated in the Gospels. But, you know, the, the filmmaker decided to use his imagination. So it's up to you to ask, are these interpretations helpful? Are they making you, you know, fall in love more with Jesus? No, uh, Does it make you want to follow him more? These are the questions we need to ask when we're, in, when we're evaluating our prayer. Uh, question from MJ Binarao. I always use Lectio Divina, but I always focus on the word or phrase that struck me the most. Hindi po mismo sa event, okay lang po ba iyon? Okay na okay yon. That's one way of praying. You focus on the words, uh, and, and if it's very helpful, that's good. But I would suggest trying out contemplation about the story and entering. Para at least you become flexible and you have more... You know, you have you have more ways of praying in your repertoire, and you might be surprised, no, uh, at at the thing at the graces you will receive. So it's good to do as many types of praying as possible, because really, um, pray praying is really spending time with the Lord, no. And so, like when we spend time with our friend, we don't want to only do one thing with our friend. Let's just have coffee. Let's have coffee today. Tomorrow, let's have coffee again. You know, we're just having coffee all the time. That's great, no. But there are also other things you can do, right? And when you spend time with God and you're doing different things, you're creating memories with God. Prayer for me is really creating memories with God. So for example, if I imagine myself in, let's say in the nativity, and let's say I, I, this actually happened in one of my retreats, I imagine myself as like someone who's helping Mary and Joseph. It, of course, that's not in the gospel, right? But that's where my imagination took me. I was trying to help them find an inn. You know, I was running around. So it's like creating memories with God. It's like that's going to be part of my relationship with God from now on because I was there in a special way, you know, in, during my prayer. So creating memories with God, I think that's a that's a great way to define prayer as well. I think that it really goes back to what you mentioned a while ago, Father, about the Bible. It's a place of encounter with God. Yeah, the Bible isn't just about knowing about God. We can know, we can learn a lot about God reading the Bible. The Bible isn't just a source of information. It's just about, it's not just about knowing about God. It's also about knowing God personally, which is about encounter and relationship, right? And how do we encounter, how do we build a relationship? Through our encounters, through our, you know, experiences, no? So the Bible can actually create experiences for us to be spent with God. And that's what contemplation is. We're actually creating new experiences and memories with God. So it's a, it's a very special way of praying in that sense. Prayer is making memories with God. Thank you for that, Father. Uh, one last from Ning Reyes. Problem reading the Old Testament. One example is when God tested Abraham's faith by commanding him to sacrifice his son Isaac. I find this unsettling and disturbing. That is one of the most disturbing ev events no? that's recounted in the Old Testament. But you know, the fact that you're disturbed means that you allowed it to affect you. Because some people will say, oh, nice, he, he passed the test. Abraham passed the test. God told him to kill his son 
and he passed the test, period, diba? But But the effect is so shallow and it's almost artificial. But the very fact that you're disturbed by that event means you allowed the story to affect you. And that's a good sign. No? Now, how do we make sense of that? Sometimes there are stories that are really hard to make sense of. And we need to look at the biblical scholarship. What are the scholars saying about, you know, about the event? No? And, you know, and that, that particular event in the life of Abraham uh, can actually warrant a whole one-hour discussion. But very briefly, because I also struggled with that story. I'm like, what kind of a God is that? Why is God going to to ask Abraham to kill his son. Was he serious? No? And then suddenly he takes it back and says, oops, I was just kidding. Uh, uh, you know, the angel was sent to stop him. No, I mean, can you imagine what Abraham must have felt? Again, the Old Testament doesn't say that, right? The Old Testament didn't say, uh, Abraham was traumatized by what happened because he was so worried about having to kill his son. No, Or, or the Old Testament did not say anything about what he felt Sarah would say his wife Sarah, if they went home and and Isaac told Sarah, well, mother, guess what? Father tried to kill me today, you know? Things, those are not said, but that's very important. That's what makes the story really special. Also, what happened to Isaac? He probably needed therapy after that, right? I mean, do you think he trusted his father again? Or if he did, what did it take for him to... So there are so many untold things, no, in that story that you can actually dive into, no? Uh, so, so I, I would invite you to, to enter and not be afraid and try to s let the story affect you because that's really what praying is. It isn't just like, you know, keeping the story at a distance and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the story already. Nice, period. You really have to enter the story. Thank you, Father. I think that's a great way and great place to end our podcast for today on how we can find God in the Bible. Um, I, I think it's good to just say that, you know, uh, to, to, to emphasize that uh, it's not enough to pay attention to the words, but also to read between the lines, to pay attention to what is unsaid in the Bible and use our imagination to enter the story. And it's also important to say that we should allow our context to affect the, our understanding of the text, right? Because God's word is always rich, it's always new, it's always relevant. So the context, our context, helps us to understand the text better. But Jude, I want to add one more thing. No? The true test of the Bible making a difference in your life is when that's reversed. What do I mean by that? No? When, we're, when we're reading the Bible as literature, our lives are a context. We should use our lives as a context to understand the meaning of the text. No? But when we're praying over the Bible, when we want the Bible to be scripture, there should be a reversal. Our lives should become the text and the Bible becomes the context. What do I mean by that? This means that we now need the Bible. The Bible stories, our, our praying over the Bible is now our way of understanding our life. Our life becomes the text, right? So, so I think that reversal is important because we're the authors of the text of our life, right? So we write the text of our lives. So it's important for us, I think, to, 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 to keep that in mind. Thank you for that, Father. That, that's a really good way to end. We have to reverse it and our lives will be the, the text and the Bible will be the context. Uh, so you've already wrapped things up for us. And again, 
you please do share your insights with us through the comment section so that if you watch it again or if there are others who watch the stream again they can also hear what you have to say so if you want to hear more from father jay follow pins of light on facebook and youtube he posts his weekly every sunday one minute homily and you'll hear more about it after this for a short break and after that short break we have a special announcement, so please stay tuned. Every Sunday, Pins of Light comes up with a one-minute homily, something to provoke you into prayer and reflection. Get your weekly Sunday Gospel fix. Follow the Pins of Light Facebook page at facebook.com slash pinsoflight. Also available in Filipino at facebook.com slash pinoylights. If you want to subscribe to Sundays for Seekers, you can find us in all the usual places where you find podcasts. Be a Sunday Seeker by joining our Facebook group, Sundays for Seekers, at facebook.com groups slash Sundays for S. Tell your friends about us by using the hashtag, hashtag Sundays for S. Father Jay, I heard you have a new book. I do have a new book. It's called Pints of Light, Scattered Hints About God. And it's really a collection of the reflections and homilies posted on Pints of Light. But the great thing, I think, is that we've included the comments of our online faith community. Wow. Because, you know, the, the only reason I'm doing this really is that, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of reaction from our online community. And sometimes what they say is even better than my reflection. So what we've decided to do is compile the reflections. And I've included some very personal reflections here. And I've also included the, the insights from our community. So I hope our, our viewers and listeners will consider buying the book. It's already available for pre-selling, no? And I think, Father, if I'm not mistaken, that book is being published to celebrate your 60th birthday, right? Well, you could think of it that way because it's coming out uh, around this time on my 60th. No? Uh, but also when they pre-order, they can actually uh, indicate what kind of dedication they would like and who they'd like the dedication to be addressed to. So it, it's really a gift to the community. It's been 14 years that we've been going wow. through Pins of Light. The first time we came up was in Multiply. I don't know if you even had that yes, yes. familiar website. So there's been a lot of iterations for Pins of Light, but... Many of our members in the online faith community have stayed on, have been very faithful. So it's like a gift to them that we wanted to give. I usually ask you about your crucifix, Father, but for today, we thought it would be best to share this book, which in a way would be somewhat like a crucifix, really bringing to life Jesus through the reflections of Father Johnny and the reflections of his readers. So if you want to pre-order the book, Pins of Light, um, and get it autographed, so as Father Jay, Father Jay said, complete with a personal note and dedication from the author, just go to the link provided on screen and we'll also be sharing it in the um, chat box, in the comment section, chat box, comment section. And you can also find that in the Pins of Light and Sundays for Seekers group and pages. So as we end our podcast, we have our takeaway question for this episode. So Father Jay, what is our takeaway question for today? 
Yeah, so in this episode, I shared tips on how to pray with the Bible, what, what I've found helpful. So we'd like to hear from our viewers and listeners. What about you? What, what tips? Some of you have begun to share already, actually. But what tips uh, have you found helpful in praying with the Bible? Let's share it with the, with the online faith community so that we can learn from one another. So we hope to read your tips in the comments. Keep them coming. Even after this, the video and the audio will be posted on Facebook, YouTube, and all the places you can find podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the other places as well. And once again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, our very supportive sponsors, Smart and Unilab. Yeah, and thanks again, of course, to our viewers and listeners, our online faith community, especially those of you who've been with us for 14 years, no? joining all our recollections, retreats, and you know, reading our blogs and watching the one-minute homilies. Uh, so feel free to continue to stay tuned so that you'll be part of our community. So thank you again to everyone. Father, there are a lot of birthday greetings for you. So many many different birthday greetings from thank you, our thank viewers you everyone. please pray for me we assure you of your prayers father so that's it for our ninth episode we hope you will continue to join us in our future episodes for sundays for seekers and continue to support pins of light please tell your friends about us so that they too can join the conversation and be a sunday seeker like you and us so Jude, thank you as always for a great conversation. We got a little bit lengthy today, I think. A very special thanks to all those who have tuned in and joined us. I know, Father, the conversation was really, well, quite lengthy, but very hearty. So we hope to see you at our next podcasts. And please tell your friends about us. And meanwhile, as we always say here, keep the faith. And keep on seeking. The Sundays for Seekers logo was designed by Jem Jemson Tan. Our theme was composed by Marvin Ong. And this episode was produced with Glenn Lopez of Upstream Media PH. Sundays for Seekers has been brought to you by Smart, Live Smarter for a Better World and Unilab, Alagang Tunay, Alagang Pilipino, Unilab yan!